0: On this episode of Dev Talk with Rich and Vin, we give a quasi preview of a session that Rich is moderating later in the week at the Renaissance AI live event. Vin won't be at the session, but his take on the topic is quite interesting. Good afternoon, welcome to episode number 72 of Dev Talk with Rich and Vin. I am Rich and that guy right there is Vin. How you doing, Vin? Good, how are you, Rich? I am very good. And for those who may possibly, is it possible they're tuning in for the first time? I'm i Rich Nass. I'm the Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media. I lead the Embedded IoT Teams for Embedded Computing Design. And you are, sir?
1: I am Vin D'Agostino, a very old Embedded Systems Engineer.
0: There you go. Okay. Um, so the... Topic for today is actually what I want to talk to you about. I'm, I'm moderating a panel later this week at the Renaissance Live Virtual Conference, and it has to do That's with- That's awesome. Well, thank you. I was, actually, I was sort of honored to be asked to moderate it because I have some pretty good company on the panel, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I want to talk about the topic with you. Um, you certainly could have been a panelist because you know almost as much as these guys that are on the panel. That. The topic is practical applications for AI, either at the edge or the, or the endpoint. Um, if you had been on this panel, what would you have said is a very practical application for AI?
1: Ooh, for AI or AI on the
0: edge? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and, and as edge, we're, we're actually talking about the endpoint here. I don't want to get into the whole, what is the edge thing? So let's let's talk about at the the sensor where the connected devices. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as computing power has gotten, um, um, much more powerful as memory footprints have gotten a little bit bigger, as algorithms have gotten better. Um, it's practical to take some kinds of AI that used to be cloud-assisted and uh, move them to the endpoint, right? And, and that mean, doesn't mean the device can't be connected. It can be connected for other reasons, but it's the AI is running on the endpoint unassisted by uh, cloud resources. And one of those things that everyone's familiar with because uh, in one form or another, they probably have encountered some kind of digital assistant. Is voice recognition and um, or or uh, let me let me say uh, speech recognition is the more general case, right? Where it's speaker independent. That has historically been aided by cloud services, and with both increase in power uh, at the at the uh, endpoint on an MCU. And with advanced algorithms and looking at the problem slightly differently, we're able to now run those kinds of things right on the endpoint. A good example is, you know, is is with Renesis is the Renesis cyberon partnership. Cyberon has uh, taken speech recognition and instead of doing it the traditional way where you're training on specific phrases and things, they have pre-trained phonemes. And so you can do phoneme recognition on the endpoint pretty, I don't want to say pretty easily, but certainly uh, on cloud assisted, and you could do some keyword command control on a device uh, very easily right on the endpoint.
0: So you said easily, Um, are you talking about easily from the user's perspective to be able to train it or easily from the, how much compute performance you need to do that?
1: Well, in in both, actually. Um, The tool suite that comes from Renesis and Cyberon allows you to type in the phrases, the tool automatically reduces it to phonemes, uh, and so you don't have to do any training at all. You and I have talked many times about the biggest expense in AI being the data collection to train everything, not in the circuitry or software to run the AI on the data.
0: Okay, but what about different accents? How does it how does it deal with that? I mean, I, I don't have an accent because I'm from New Jersey, but everybody else does. How does how does it how does it deal with you don't have you know? an accent? <laughs> no, I don't. I have an attitude, not an accent. But no, you, you know, somebody from from the south or somebody who, who uh English is not their first language, how do you deal with that? Well,
1: so in this particular tool, the way they've chosen to do it is uh, you start by dividing it into 44 possible languages because the phoneme content in each language is slightly different. Um, and then they have alternate pronunciations in each of the languages. So you can see some phrases that you type in and there will be two or three or even as many as four different versions of phonemes that come together together. Uh, for that word. And a lot of it has to do with accents. And if you look at English, for example, there's uh, American English, there's international English. Um, and so they have even larger, I don't wanna say larger subsets, That's that doesn't make sense, but they have even larger groupings of those accents, if you wanna call them accents.
0: Um, but that sounds to me like a huge memory hog. If, if you have to store all that stuff, how do you do that when you're at the endpoint? Uh,
1: you're doing it one language at a time. It's not something that's going to be able to do all 44 languages. So you pick your language and then you type in the keywords. You know, the one thing about um, keyword search is that you don't want to get too complex or people don't remember all the keywords. So that kind of thing is um, not language, natural language processing or natural language understanding, which is a different kind of algorithm algorithm. Um, but but this is keyword search. So you're looking at, for keywords in a certain order. And so you wanna limit the command set, but you can be pretty effective. We've done light bulbs, we've done other products um, as examples. And I know some customers that are working on it now at Renesis. so.
0: Okay, you got another example for me?
1: Yeah, one that we're all pretty familiar with in the embedded space, which is processing sensor signals. You know, when you look at an embedded system, And you think about it from a very—I don't even want to say abstract—but from a very high level, its whole purpose is to take excitation from the world around it and do something to affect it, right? Think of a thermostat; it's looking at temperatures and deciding whether it's above or below uh, a threshold, and then turning on a heater or an air conditioner. So, um, well, all of that. Why do
0: you need AI to do
1: that? You, You you don't, but that's the base. That's the base system for an embedded system. Now you take some advanced sensors and you wanna process those things. We have done a lot of digital signal processing already on MCUs with the uh, extended instruction set that ARM has on the uh, M- M3, M4 and above devices, right? And so you take that and now, you know, when you think about any kind of you're in- doing is inferring something new from things that you know. And so you can use AI to take quantities from various sensors and put them together into seeing or being or signifying something that you can't measure directly. And that's where the AI comes in. And that's where work at the endpoint, uh, first of all, is much, much faster. You don't have the round trip to the cloud or even to some edge processor that's locally. You're doing it all on the endpoint. And, um, And you can get some pretty rich... Um, no pun intended, some pretty rich uh, solutions based on doing that stuff using signal processing kinds of techniques and wrapping that in artificial intelligence techniques directly on the endpoint. Uh, in fact, Renesys, um did um, purchase a company uh, about a year and a half ago now, I don't even remember, called Reality AI. And their whole Um, Their whole concentration is in using these kinds of um, digital signal processing techniques wrapped in AI algorithms to process signals from sensors, looking for uh, combinations of excitation that can indicate something that you're not measuring directly. Things like bearing loss, uh, you know, where the bearings are starting to die. Things like low levels of things in systems. And, and. Um, The nice thing about it is you are synthesizing from some inexpensive, simple sensors, quantities that would cost you really a lot of money to get a sensor to do uh, direct measurement. Uh, You can look at differential temperature, for example, of coolant going in and out of a system and determine how much heat transfer there was. uh, And and that takes um, you can do a whole bunch of things with that is uh, is an air coil block something like that, where if you were to have an airflow sensor, that's much more expensive to put in the system. So you're using AI in that case to uh, to generate information that you're not measuring directly. And that's where the AI part comes in.
0: So let me ask you one of the questions I have planned for my panelists. Um, sure. The, the folks out in the audience will be developers, people who actually have to implement this. My question for them is if if I want to do one of these designs now, where do I start? What's my first step?
1: Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to hear what the panelists have to say. Um, don't I don't would... have the
0: luxury of knowing that. So. <laughs> right. Right.
1: So I don't know that. No. Um, I, I would say that the first thing is a very good definition of what you're trying to do. That part isn't different than any other design work. Um, but then f- really, if you're going to do, let's take the second example, right, which is doing the signal processing on on sensors. You don't necessarily know what combinations of information are going to give you the indications that you want to be able to uh, deterministically um, evaluate these signals that you're not directly reading. Um, And so you're going to take, for example, let's say 100 lanes of data various sensors uh, and various things and you're going to find that just like in in the old um, uh, digital logic uh, reduction that we did in school with carno maps you're gonna you're gonna find that a bunch of things are don't cares that this particular signal means nothing in terms of indicating that there's low refrigerant or that there's no airflow or something whatever figure you know and and so the immediately drop out and and you're going to try to find those two to five, let's say, and five is really high, uh, signals that you're measuring that will allow you to accurately predict the thing that you want to know. And so the the first part is really going to be design of experiments after you've determined what it is that you really want to be able to do.
0: Very good, Ben. We'll see if we get the same answer from the panelists when I speak to them tomorrow. I'm very much looking forward to that. Okay. As as I said, for you folks out in the audience, it, it is called AI Live, and you could find it very easily uh, just by going into Google and typing Renaissance Live, and that's where I'll be. Ben, thank you very much for your time as always, and I look forward to speaking with Thanks you again time. shortly.